Hello, welcome back to Really Good Appears, where we chat about and discuss all sorts of movies. My name is Gary O'Brien, and joining me today to discuss the 1952 American romantic comedy drama, The Quiet Man, it's none other than the man himself, Keno Driscoll. So stick around. We hope you enjoy. Should we put on our accents for this? I was going to be like, uh, Dear Gwit, Keen. Cunus tu ta, Gary. Ah, sha, gahintuk. Agus tu fein. Neil, anwil kergum dulgadion letters. Sha. Intuk. Or as most teachers would say, I don't know, can you? <laughs> I don't know, can you, yes. Um, Keen O'Driscoll. How are It's been too long. Fifth time, five timers club. Here you are. Thank you so much for coming back. Thanks for having me, Gary. I know it was a bit, it was a bit, uh, it was a bit close there today. Uh, oh, fuck of... off. Come on. <laughs> I tried. No, no, I don't blame you at all. It's, uh, it's some other people I think are just getting greedy with the podcasts. Their names, they're getting too, <laughs> too big, I think. Okay. <laughs> David. For, for, con- <laughs> for context. This is coming out the week of Paddy's Day, I believe. So Paddy's Day is on Friday. So this is our Paddy's Day podcast. And it may have been recorded the same day as last week's podcast, just for ease. But uh, yeah, we, we ran into a bit of a... We got there in the end. We're here. We're, we're here. We're getting we're it. Here. We're yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is... So I asked... So I don't know how we got talking about this again, but... Because you were most recently featured on Charlotte's podcast for The Great Beauty. So thank you again for doing that. Oh, no worries. We were talking about getting you back. We say we, I had been like, Keen, can you come on? You were like, I'll do it. And then only that when the structure of why not do a Paddy's Day podcast where we pick an Irish movie, that gave you uh, some inspiration to pick the movie we're talking about today called The Quiet Man. Yeah, so I've, you know, Paddy's Day, I've been thinking about a few Irish films. We have many good Irish films, especially the new one that came out this year. Uh, Funny enough, called The Quiet Girl. The Quiet Girl. So... <laughs> Not the quiet woman. <laughs> no, no. This is the, so this is the quiet man. Then there's the quiet girl on Colin Kuhn, which came out earlier uh, last year. Oh. And there's also a quiet place. So there's just a lot of quiet movies going around at the moment. Co- Colin Kuhn. I haven't seen that. I've told you about this movie. I know. Oh, you thought but... I was, no, there's a... Li- it's, oh, Ke- see, Keen doesn't have Instagram or Facebook, so he never keeps up to date with the podcast. And I don't generally Basically, listen to Gary, so... <laughs> There is a movie called On Calling Kuhn. It's nominated for Best International Feature Film at the Oscars this year. And it is the first Irish language movie to ever be nominated in that category. First not movie to, from Ireland to be nominated in that category. Jeez. It is a big deal. Yeah. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. But instead, we watched The Quiet Man instead because we thought, what better movie, you know, signifies Irish heritage and identity than Big John Wayne coming to Inish Free to find his family heritage. It's a fine, soft day. <laughs> I Yeah, I was thinking that we there's a whole host of movies we could have chosen, from Michael Collins to The Field to The Banshees of Inishir and all these new ones and big ones that came out. But uh, this one was pretty big back in the day when it came out, obviously. And uh, But I suppose for younger generations, I don't know, you, you, you hadn't heard of it when I mentioned it, so... But no, it's quite I, big I where I'm from because it was filmed where... Where are you from? Galway. Sorry. I, no, that was genuine. I have no idea. You just have one of those funny accents. I'm like, right, you're not from Dublin. I don't know where you're from. You're well, from, my parents are from Dublin, so it's a blow-in, really. But, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's really funny because I didn't, I've never heard of this movie. And so I, I, I also have a housemate from Galway, and I went down and asked her, 
And she's, I've been trying to get on the podcast and she just won't come on the podcast. So this will be her first appearance on the podcast, which is the voice message I sent you from her complaining about the movie, The Quiet Man. So I'm just going to play that now. <laughs> is this Sakeen? Yeah. I just, every time you go somewhere in comics, there's some connection to that fucking movie. We went on so many staycations over the years and there's always a fucking reference to that movie. And like, Gary just triggered me when he came into the kitchen and goes, oh, do you know about The Quiet Man? Yeah, I know too much about that movie. It's a fucking stupid movie. And everywhere you go, there's a mural or there's a poster or there's a statue. And I just can't do it anymore. Anyways. Okay, there you go, Keen. Sorry I didn't know the movie, The Quiet Man. <laughs> So passionate. She's passionate about this movie, The Quiet Man, in that it's all over the place, apparently, in the West of Ireland. It is. It's very funny. Because, like, I don't know, taking it through the film a little bit, there's one scene with a horse race, and it must run over at least five or six different beaches in the course. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's very funny. Like, some of them you have to cross a bay, and, yeah, it's funny. But, uh... No, so I thought it would be a good one to choose because uh, it's very typically, stereotypically Irish. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a bit humorous. In the worst way at times, but still still good, I would say. And I think, I don't know, for, for your fifth movie as well, why not pick a movie that was actually filmed in, I guess, where you grew up, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah why not? I mean, all the others were uh, either Westerns or... But... Random. Yeah, well, we we had the Big Lebowski, Outlaw Josie Wales, Surfer Falls, the Deadpool, and I think what's interesting is they've all starred people who've been in West, known for westerns in a way. So you have like, you have uh, uh, what's his name? Ah, oh, name is blanking me. Jeff Bridges, you know, in that True Grit remake. Yeah. You had Seraphim Falls, a Western. You had the Deadpool starring Clint Eastwood, known for Westerns. And, oh, the Outlaw Josie Wales, also a Western. And then you've picked, you know, a movie that's set in the West of... Ar- or I don't know where it's set in Ireland because it's very am- ambiguous, amb- amb- ambiguous. But it stars one of the biggest Western stars of all time, <laughs> John Wayne. So there's always been a Western element to it, both in the terms of, uh, you know, having that cowboy setting, but also this movie which is in the west of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it's actually, you know, I was going to say that it's nearly like a Western setting, but like if you give it, if you were to have given it the setting two years earlier or two years after, it would have been a bit of a, uh, a Western setting nearly yeah. because I didn't pick up on this the first time I watched it, but like... 20 the- years ago. <laughs> About that, the uh, the IRA feature heavily in this, <laughs> <laughs> which in which the I most didn't pick up. On. Charming way, some for some re- like at the time, it like the the time it's set at. I don't think the IRA had got onto the things that are probably they're most known for now. So it's very weird to see them as the two sound lads at the corner of the bar. <laughs> First introduced as the commandant. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a good setting. It's 20, 1921, I think, or 1922, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good setting anyway. Um, <laughs> same, same as Banshees as well, same year. Yeah, yeah, so it's, a, and it's Inish Sheeran and Inish Free, 
So so I've looked into this because I was getting infuriated because it's it, so be, so Freddie doesn't know the story of the Quiet Man and I imagine that is a lot of people because Keen picks movies that no one has ever heard of. So this movie is all about a guy called. That's Sean not true. Horton. Most American tourists that come to Ireland come. To <laughs> oh, for this I have a whole I have a whole bit about that later on and I might get into it early. We'll see, but just remind me I have a big point to make on that. But basically, this movie is about a guy an Irish American called Sean Thornton. Thornton? Thornton. Who has left America for some reason and has come back home to his homeland. He was born in Ireland. He left it there with his parents and he's finally come back and he wants to live in the old cottage he used to live in. And it's all about him then moving into this kind of community where he's seen as an American lad and an outsider. However, he does have those sort of Irish roots and it's him creating some friends along the way in the likes of (laughs) Micheline, who I will talk about for 90 minutes of this, however long this podcast is, even if this podcast is 50 minutes, 90 minutes, minutes of it will be about Micheline. But he catches the eye of one Mary-Kate Dan something. Danaher. And it's all about uh, them kind of falling in love and the sort of John Wayne's character, not Sean Thornton, not really up to speed on how one woos a woman in 1922, uh, 1920s Ireland and what kind of goes behind that as well. And him making enemies of her brother and the sort of adventures that they all go on uh, is the vaguest way I can describe this movie. So just, I get guess for a bit of context. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, where do we start? Or how do we... Well, I'll tell you what. Let me let me, let me me start with the, my big rant. You know what I mean? Because if people only listen for the first bit, I want them to hear Let's this. Let's just get stuck this in. Mo- this movie is responsible for so many Americans coming over to Ireland to find their old family. I don't... This may be offensive to people, but there's so... I feel like there's this... There's this mindset in America where these Americans will come over to Ireland they'll walk into like the records office and be like my great great granny was James O'Brien did he live here did you know him like is his house here and it's just like man there's like a 50 million James O'Briens he probably didn't live like there's just there's such ambition because this movie romanticizes that whole experience of John Wayne's Sean Thornton coming back. He gets to live in his old cottage. He knows people who, you know, knew his his father and his mother. And it's like a welcoming experience. The landscape, the cinematography is stunning. Mm. Ireland looks incredible. This is one of the biggest tourism ads for Ireland I have ever targeted on Americans that I have ever seen. To which I was not surprised when you had said that most American tourists have known that know about this movie because I'm not surprised. That's what they think Ireland's like. And even though the movie's set in 1922, I guarantee you there's probably people in like, this movie came out in 1952. There's people in 1960, 1970, 1980 that were expecting this type of Ireland when they got here. <laughs> I know. And it's, I don't know. Yeah, there's just so many things that are... St- you know, I don't think all the fields I've gone through and all the years, I don't think I've ever seen, I don't know, a woman like that herding sheep through the fields. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I was John Wayne's character, you know, it, it, it would strike me yeah, too. Because, <laughs> yeah, we're introduced to uh, Maureen O'Hara plays Mary-Kate uh, Danahy. I think it's like Danaher again. Danaher, sorry, I watched this movie today. Uh, my brain is right, but uh, it, it's the, like I, it's you know, and you know those meet cute scenes in movies where like they catch each other's eye from like across the room and they meet. What did you call that? In love, or like a meet cute? What's that? It's a, it's it's like a it's like a cute meeting of two characters and an initial right. like how they first meet kind of thing. Okay. 
if you had told me that Hollywood in 1952 had created that moment, but with John Wayne staring at a woman herding sheep in <laughs> the West of Ireland, I wouldn't have told you, no way that exists. But how, like, and even the weird filter that's put on it to show it's romantic, like, how this situation is romantic blows my mind. <laughs> they, every interaction is, like, I don't know, is it just the pause and the, the forced yeah. tension? Yeah. Like after the uh, after the mass with the holy water, <laughs> like and I, actually, could, so I guess yeah. This this is a good question for you because I have only ever seen one other John Wayne movie, which is True Grit, and to which I say his acting in that movie is sixty percent eye patch because that's his character. <laughs> his character is eye patch, and eye patch is him. So it was interesting to see him in this because I think he's doing a great job. I love what they do with him because he's just a big old yank Mary's as he's called in the movie he's just a big old brash American guy in rural Ireland and John Wayne is that to a T so perfect however you've obviously seen him I assume in a lot of other movies so in regards to John Wayne's performances how would you rank this because he seems to obviously play that whole like you know um falling in love with a fiery woman that eventually you know it's the same it's the same it it, it's it's his character yeah is th- so is he just doing is this just the same as all the other movies? It's like Sean Connery. Though they're Whoa They're, they're an old breed. Whoa, shots They have one fired. role and they fill it. Whoa, have you ever seen the Hunt for Red October? He I plays have. a Russian admiral in that key. Yeah, but his Never mind Never mind nationality of the character he plays, it's just the role that he fills, it's the same. You're what he plays a dragon at one point <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> That's fair. That's but fair. yes, I completely, I completely understand what you're talking about. He's very typecast, uh, Sean yeah. Connery, as is John Wayne. So, so yeah. So what? Like, I guess, like you said, you've seen a lot of westerns with John Wayne. How would you rank this with his performances in other movies, or, or even just this movie in regards to other like John Wayne westerns? For me, like they're a comfort watch. I, I wouldn't rank them like super high. I, I watch them out of nostalgia. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be big fans of his movies or, like, some of his westerns were good, but more nearly because of other supporting actors or the storyline. Right. But yeah. his particular acting and stuff, I find it... Some of it can be good. Like, some of the westerns, he like he plays a tough character, uh, yeah. which I like. But it can be fairly flat and monotone as well. And he just gets yeah. by because he is this big manly man kind of character do you know so yeah with this movie he's playing a bit softer at least initially and uh, so yeah I, I i drank it fairly high i suppose in his in his um you know for the movies that he's done i drank it fairly highly in terms of how yeah. you know how well he's done it. but it's funny it's funny you kind of mentioned they're kind of comfort watches because when i was watching this i was kind of just thinking to myself i feel like this could be on rte2 every sunday i just didn't know about it <laughs> yeah. you know it just has that vibe to it and I think what's even more amazing is this This has Oscars, by the way. This won Best Director at the Oscars. It also won Best Cinematography, if you can believe. But mm. it's very obvious when, once you watch the movie. But also, it's directed by John Ford, who is one of the most accomplished American actors of that time. And also, he had done quite a few re- Westerns also. So for him and John Wayne and this company, I think it's called, I forget the name of the studio that did it. But like, they had never not done a Western before. Yeah. And like, so they, it was, this was a big swing for them. And I think, as you kind of mentioned before, shot in the West of Ireland, the production itself seemed to be an absolute 
behemoth of a thing from the time from that studio and from these actors like watching they went, how, they- yeah like watching how they cut scenes like say i don't know some like even smaller scenes like it's hard to remember exactly which scenes like there's one where they have an argument and he goes walking off through the fields like he literally walks through one field and then f- it cuts scenes and he's walking through another field that's like 60 kilometers away yeah <laughs> like and it's the same with the horse race it, like the horse race happens on at least six or seven different beaches you mm-hmm. know like it's it's cool like it's just seeing how much work kind of must have gone into it lugging equipment around all over the place yeah. for specific scenes but they obviously had a clear idea of what they wanted do you know yeah but it's it's, it's gas because it's so refreshing i think for myself having seen for this to watch this the same year roughly that banshees came out where it kind of nearly feels like the same like love and attention to the country Mm -hmm. in a way that like there's such appreciation of what the landscape is to make sure that's highlighted in the best way possible and there's like some great locations in both movies but i think what this movie also does fantastically as well is utilize irish talent because there are some incredible supporting actors like obviously got maureen maureen o'hara who's like well-known actress from back in the day same with john wayne but there's some but like and i described them and i don't know if it's insulting to them but like there's just so many father ted-esque characters (laughs) in this movie like we're gonna save micheline again until a bit later on (laughs) micheline hour (laughs) micheline hour i love that but like between the between the priests the reverend the old um widow um there's just all there's a colorful cast of characters and they like you say they they bounce so well off of John Wayne because he's playing this like fairly monotone mm-hmm. big American guy and they're just allowed to be as colourful as the landscape around them which I just really really enjoyed yeah no like some of the some of the characters like the I think um, what was his name uh, Will Will Dan uh, Danaher he's uh, the priest no no Will Danaher that's uh, uh, Maureen no Mary Kate Danaher her, uh, her brother the guy who oh, ends the up big, being the, the, oh, the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he he comes across great, I think. Like, he has a great performance. You know, he's playing exactly what you... It's, it's very stereotypical, okay? You know, big, angry, kind of farmer man, kind of. It, because it's very... You can contrast it with the field as well. You know, it's nearly a, a reverse look at how the field might play out. Do you know? Uh, okay, mm-hmm. the Yank comes over, wants to buy the land, the farmer doesn't want him to, you know, puts up a fight or makes it really difficult for him, you know. Uh, so it kind of gives this stereotype to, you know, Irish farmers being a bit, you know, stubborn about the land. Mm-hmm. It always comes back to the land, essentially. But, uh, you know, he plays it really well, do you know, I think, that character. Yeah, Victor... McLagan plays him. McLaglan plays him and he is actually nominated for an Oscar for the performance as well. Yeah. However, the Oscar should have gone to Barry Fitzgerald for Micheline, but you know, I'm not going to get bitter from an Oscars uh, that was what from 1950 uh, 1953, but I will. Like over it was over 70 years ago and I only just found out today that Barry Fitzgerald wasn't nominated for his role in The Quiet Man and I am furious. <laughs> but that like that's the thing I love about it as well, because it's, you know, uh, it, it, it is so stereotypical of like certain, you know, Irish stories, because he, his character is, uh, 
His character's really McLean. funny. Micheline, yeah, sorry. He, uh, yeah. Small, little, nosy kind of man who, you know, knows everybody's business. Drink. And he's fond of the few scoops. And, uh, but he's also the matchmaker in the village, do you know? Yeah. Which is a really important role, kind of, you know, it's non, non-existent now. But it's, it's funny. It's funny you say the word matchmaker and you just think he's like someone to, uh, you know, kind of like nudge John Wayne up to Maureen O'Hara's character or vice versa. Like, this is like the whole, the, the, John Wayne's character, uh, Sean Thornton, has to go through the whole act of courting. Yeah. Which is like, on a, like, it's so funny to watch in 2023, but I can only imagine from 1952, America, like looking at Ireland, you're like, Jay's they're weird. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? you, so, you, you, like, you might actually believe it, you know. Oh Christ, yeah. it's actually like this. You know, your brother or you know, uh, father or closest male... Man of the house. Man of the house, male relative has to give you away or give you permission to court. Um, to be courted. To be courted, even... sorry. To be... Yeah. <laughs> that's right, to be courted. You know, that's, it's just madness. But yeah, Micheline's character is just, it, it's it's the quirky little man who, he brings most of the laughs, really, you know, because... All uh, the laughs. All I the laughs. laughed out loud so much i didn't expect this because look you've made me watch a lot of weird movies in the past but this i was like i was wondering wondering, did you see the point the pint the point where uh, they're in the bar i think it's where he first uh goes into the bar and they all start singing and buying drinks and john wayne is there looking for his his pint uh and the barman keeps handing him one but mickleheen keeps taking it (laughs) And by the time the barman has poured a, uh, another pint and put it up onto the bar, McLean has finished his and <laughs> taken the next one. I, like, there's nothing. There's no even dialogue. It's just mute, loud no. music and like a raucous scene in a pub. So you you might miss it, like. But there's just funny little bits like that that uh, yeah. you know that I picked up on that was kind of funny. And I was just just reminding you just singing and whatnot. I thought the music in this was great as well. I had a really like they have a song they sing about Sean. But also the score, the musical score to which Micheline sings at one point and then like kicks in properly for another scene. Yeah. That was really, really good. And it was, and again, like, I don't know. I guess for me, I was expecting the worst case scenario for this. A big American production coming to Ireland to kind like uh, to do a period piece where I thought they were kind of going to take the piss. But like I said, there's so much reverence and appreciation and love for Ireland as a whole in the movie that I think also for the music is just so, it's not diddly I diddly O kind of thing. No, it's, but it's actually, like it, it, it's not. Like, it is and it's not, but the only reason I would say that it is is because of the movie. Do you know, like, these songs are, they're Irish traditional songs that are overplayed now because yeah. of movies like this. But at the time this movie came out, it wouldn't have been, really. Do you know? That's a good point, yeah. So, yeah. you know, now because of The Quiet Man or other Irish films, these tunes are played all over Ireland and all the bars for American tourists. But at the time, it wouldn't have been. So, like, it's a perfect, you know, well, maybe, I don't know, I can't say if it would have been or wouldn't have been, but... If you were um, alive in 1952, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, you have that sort of eternal nature about you that I feel like you're... Settled. You know, in your... I feel like you're in your, you know, mid to late 20s, but at the same time, you easily could be 80 and just doing a real good job of keeping that to yourself. (laughs) The secret is the whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ishka Baha. 
And there's a bit of Irish in this movie as well. Just actually just a bit of Askelga. Yeah, Love that. it was. Uh, I have to say, I, I, I had to Google it. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no clue. I know. I was like, where are these subtitles? I don't know what they are saying. But I, 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 was, I was happy they were doing it. No, that was a great scene, actually. That was... Uh, no, that wasn't when he was Fishing catching scene. the fish. Yeah, it was when he was catching the fish. It is when he's catching the that fish, was a great yeah. Scene. The, the priest. He I, was a great character as well, actually. Um, great. Oh, but all the side characters are great. And like this, so this scene, like the, the priest is just trying to catch this fucking trout that he's been trying to catch for 10 years, but it just so happens to come at the same point where Maureen O'Hara's character is trying to ask for some advice and he's trying to be nice and priestly, but at the same time, he's trying to catch this fucking fish he's been waiting 10 years <laughs> to catch. And it's just, it's, it's, that's what I mean, the humour in it. That's what I wasn't expecting from the movie. I was expecting, you know, the, the romance ele- element of it to sort of supersede a lot of it. Mm. And that's why in the intro, I even mentioned it's a romance comedy drama because there's great comedy in it. And my God, we'll talk about the, the end scene, the end <laughs> battle, if you will, uh, towards, towards the latter, latter half of this podcast. But, uh, oh, the comedy was fantastic. But I, the, I think for me, what doesn't age well from the movie made 70 years ago is the romance, quote, unquote, romance in the movie. No, it's, it's, uh, the romance does not, uh, <laughs> it's very one-sided, well, keep... I'd say. <laughs> uh, why? Because, why? Because, um, when he takes over his new cottage and she's been in there cleaning, cleaning it and hiding from him and then she runs out and then he grabs her, turns around and kisses her without her consent or anything or any sort of prompt. And then she runs off crying. That, that, that's one-sided to you, that romance? No, to be fair, in that scene, you know, there's the whole viewpoint of breaking and entering, but <laughs> uh, no, 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 you're right. You're right. You're dead right. Um, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's very dated. Uh, but like, it, it, it is and it is. I don't so I'm torn on it I think there's a scene at the end we'll talk about that is bongers in terms of just yeah I don't know why she's with him after that scene but I kind of understand what's interesting about the romance in this is John Wayne's coming from an era of like you grab the girl you kiss her and you, she's your wife and that's how you do it kind of thing like that you show her your money you show her your intent but what's kind of funny when I saw that initially of him grabbing her kissing her I was like uh Ew. Kind <laughs> just like, mm. I was just like, what's going on here? But then what's kind of funny is the culture, the Ireland and the procedures make him slow that down all the way. Micheline has to, has, uh, uh, Sean Thornton has to ask Micheline to ask her to begin courting. Then they have to get the permission from the brother. Then their first date is on like a jaunting horse where they have to sit on opposite sides and they're not allowed to talk to, like, <laughs> and then they always have to be super, like, I just love that, like, poor what you call it, Sean Thornton's just trying to get his rocks off. And then they're like, no, 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 no. You need to do this. And then yeah, then uh, if that goes well, then you're allowed to talk to each other There's in the private. There's the month of thrashing parties. Month of thrashing, yes. <laughs> and for any of our listeners who don't know what a month of thrashing keen is, do you care to enlighten them? No. <laughs> okay. You have to go and Google it. <laughs> No, and, and there is a month of something else. There is a month of trashing parties, and there is a month of uh, uh, what else was there? Out, walk, no, walking outside. A month of wa- yeah. walking outside, and another month of something else. Walking out together and th- or thrashing parties. Yeah. So no, like it was, Yeah, for me, like it is a bit dated. I was also thinking the same thing as you, though. Like that's that was the culture, and like also her character. A little bit is from the very beginning. Uh, 
is expressed as being extremely hot-headed and mm-hmm. wild and like with a ferocious temper and like you see that straight away when she's in the kitchen with the farm hands and um will her brother like you know she's just as violent as he is do you know yeah like he goes you know he might go at her with the stick when she picks up the pot ready to throw it at him do you know like yeah. she's not afraid of a fight or to back down so you know in terms of john wayne's character sean seanine like seanine seanine yeah. uh you know kind of i don't want to say manhandling her but essentially what he's doing no no that's that's, that's exactly essentially what, he's what doing. he does <laughs> you know in the context of uh the era and maybe her character as well i don't know like is that if that's stepping over too many lines to say if it make i don't know like for me it doesn't make it okay but you know it kind of make give more context to it yeah um but yeah just there in the beginning those early scenes um with the the, the first kiss kind of scene and stuff like that but uh definitely towards the end of the movie yeah it gets a bit too much yeah it gets a lot it gets a lot but again we'll get to that in a sec but i do what i do want to talk about actually is the patchy um, fingers a po- the what no, never mind. i thought there, there was something that he kept mcleen kept saying it was you know like when he went to the um uh went to mass and he dipped his hands in the holy water for uh mary kate to, to dip her fingers in yeah, and, uh, the to first, bless yourself. To bless yourself. <laughs> the first thing Micheline says, oh, Seanine, you can't be playing patty fingers with the holy water. <laughs> and he keeps saying it throughout the movie. It's like one of the things he keeps saying, you know, patty fingers. I don't know. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. He goes, who told you to be, who told you to be, this is, who told you to playing patty fingers in the holy water? <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, now she's a fine, healthy girl. No patty fingers, if you please. No patty fingers. <laughs> but I guess my favorite I don't know what I got stressed out most about this movie is so what happens is you know uh, in marriages back in the day there had to be a dairy which meant the husband effectively had to get sorry the husband had to get paid by the man of the house to take the wife off of his hands effectively mm. isn't that it yeah. yeah 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 and over time Maureen O'Hara's mate Mary Kate has amassed this fortune of gold not gold like silver pounds and, and furniture that she's grown quite attached to and she makes it clear very early on to the movie that she likes these things and she wants these things but it's hilarious how john wayne's sean thornton just keeps forgetting that because it's like it's like her whole thing she wants her things okay and then every time she's like she has things she wants the things and then he's like come on we're getting out of here and then she's like my things and he's like you don't need no things don't worry about it as if like he sees them as a burden upon her where she has stated many times I want my things and then the whole movie the whole conflict of them is she is like go get my things and he's like don't worry you don't need any things and it's just such an easy and this is why she goes to the priest because again he just doesn't get the things (laughs) and they eventually get married through some fantastic conspiracy work through the locals which I fantastic like again very very good but then when they get married and she wants to move in and she doesn't have the things he's like why why are you getting so upset and she's like i have told you i want my things get me my things and he's like 
you don't need to worry about your things. Yeah. And it's just this w- annoying cyclical argument that's just so easily fixed. Just go get the things. But I, like, I think that I always get that impression from like uh, Americans in uh, like old, you know, movies from like or series even from like the 50s, or the, the 30s or the 40s, especially Americans that might have a bit of money. Like, you know, money's not a problem. Money's not a problem. Don't me worry about it. You know, I'll buy the things. Yeah. But like, there's no emotional attachment to things that can be bought. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and like he, Mary Kate yeah. has this emotional attachment because they all came, like all her stuff came from her parents, her mother's mother, yeah. her mother's mother's mother kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing with the land. Do you know, it's the, it's the Irish yes. heritage. It's the Irish, uh, you know, we're proud of what we have and where it came from kind of thing. Do you know? Yeah. And I will say, from just an Irish rep- representation point of view, I didn't love the scene where she's on her hands and knees trying to get all the gold coins. And she's <laughs> like, my fortune, my fortune. And it's just like, this isn't doing an Irish people any good, having an Irish woman basically, me lucky coins, no, you gotta. I was like, ah, this is not great. But again, in the context, she lo- it's the emotional attachment she has to this wealth, not the financial, but it just doesn't help. It no. doesn't help Irish people at all. <laughs> because that's the thing that's the kind of, uh, like that's in, relative, in relation to the money like Sean's character like you don't really know like he obviously has a lot of money you don't know where it came from maybe until towards the end of the movie you kind of learn more start to learn more about his backstory or about why he left America you know you kind of get start to see that okay he's got money do you know money's not yeah. obviously not an issue for him because he just came over yeah. he spent a thousand pounds, which was a lot of money back in the day for this cottage. He's not, he's not afraid to flash it around either. Do you know, for him, maybe it wasn't an issue. Maybe he was just like, do you know, forget the stuff. We don't need it. Money just brings arguments and fighting. So I love the scene where, uh, because the first night in the house, they have another argument, but I think it's about her stuff as well. Cause it was just, she just, again, night. she wants her things. That's it. Yeah. It's the whole, whole conflict between the two of them. He's like, there'll be no, I can't remember what he says. There'd be no locks or doors in our relationship except for the ones that you keep in your heart or something like that. And then he picks her up as if he's going to go to bed with her, but he ends up just yeah. throwing her on the bed and locking the door. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day when they bring all her stuff to the house, Micheline comes in with the cot and he leaves it down on the, on the floor and he, the bedroom's just destroyed from the argument they had. And he's looking around the bedroom <laughs> And he's like, what happened here? He goes, impetuous, homeric. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is funny. Because I think, what was the quote? I have it here somewhere. She goes, yeah, he goes, there will be no locks or bolts between us except for those in your own mercenary heart, little heart. And then I just so funny reading the script back because I shit you not. As people think I'm like, Gary, she probably didn't say like, my things and she wants her things there's literally a quote she literally goes my things my furniture she calls them my things she's like Gollum from Lord of the Rings effectively she just wants her precious she does get them was that that an overwhelming reference for you to have a movie to have the Lord of the Rings referenced uh, in the Quiet Man movie I'm surprised no one's done Lord of the Rings yet for your podcast. I think you'll find that's a more of a Gary issue than a guest issue. I don't want to do Lord of the Rings. They're too long and overrated. So this is a nice little Easter egg to have in the middle of the Quiet Man podcast because not many people listen to it, I'm going to assume. But 
does I think that put my most controversial opinions in the most the least listened to episodes. I don't know, this could get a huge listening in America. Who knows? This could be my chance to break America and here I am bashing Lord of the Rings. No, I, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. But yes, actually, so just to go back to that, like, I think the script is very, very good. I think there's a lot of the wording of things. I know that's, this sounds so stupid. Just the wording, how they phrase some of the sentences is very, very good. But how also the characters are given some very, I don't know, pointed phrases to say at times, I think are really help add to the emotions trying to invoke in different scenes, whether that's the comedy of Micheline, mm. whether that's the uh, ferociousness of Mary Kate, whether that's the... Actually, can we... Mm, okay, this is a point I was going to make at some point. Why is it called Quiet Man? John Wayne is the loudest motherfucker in any room or building. I feel like he... he okay, imagine this, King. This is going to be a very niche reference in our very niche movie podcast. Imagine John Wayne walking into Staunton's. I can guarantee you he could be in the back room and you'd hear him out the front. Like, that's uh, why is he called the quiet man? I I think it's because he didn't want to fight your man. I think it's because they, they, they do mention it. They do mention it. He's a quiet, they call him the, a quiet man, a quiet tempered sort of man or something like that in the movie. Can't remember the mm. actual context, but I think it's in relation to not wanting to fight. Okay. Uh, will also, yeah. The, the quote you're looking for is, "He is a nice, quiet, peace-loving man. Come home to Ireland to forget his troubles." Yeah, exactly. Do you know? That's it. He doesn't want any trouble. He just wants to come home, buy his uh, hereditary house, and that's it. And again, so this is based. So for anyone that doesn't know as well, and when I say anyone, I mean maybe Keen. I don't know if you know. This was based on a short story from the 1933 Saturday Evening Post uh, by Maurice Walsh uh, of the same name, and. Um, so, again, short story made into a film, so I don't know how much of it's taken from it. The last 20 minutes of this movie is, and I have, there's a, I, need, I know, Keen, you hate when I mention it, but I am going to mention it now. There's a website called Letterboxd, where you can rank and rate your movies, and you can put up your reviews, and it's really, really fun. I love it, and everyone should get on it, because it's the best. But my favorite review was, it was by a guy called Willow McClay, and it goes, The Quiet Man is probably the best film that ends with a 20-minute WWF attitude error brawl. <laughs> because <laughs> this is it is a brawl it is a fight between these two lads that covers all the major locations in this movie <laughs> it's like it goes from the bar to the fields to like other cottage it goes through everything and it's like it's just this moving mob of a fight and it's only really Shaneen and um Will fighting, but there's just like a herd of people around them. Yeah. But what's fantastic, and I'm not going to mention it again, but Micheline himself taking all the bets and how the priests are in on it as well. And it's even the guys <laughs> the who are like loyal to people coming over from the other village. People. <laughs> and it's like even uh, even one of the guys who is uh, loyal to Will is like betting against them. Yeah. And it's just to see this cartoonish, it's so weird. It's so, it's such a. Complete 180 after we saw this, like you say, this man manhandling this woman back back to her cottage and then being like, geez, wouldn't it be funny if these lads fight, fought like all around the town and they even take a little break in the pub where they go for a pint and then it's like, we're having a truce, we're having a pint, it's all fine, but I'll pay for it. Like, no, you won't fucking pay for it, I'll pay for it. It's like, don't you? And then the fight starts again because they're fighting about who should be paying for the pints. Magical. What? There's one thing in the... Like, there's a character who's 
the center of the Englishman. I, I'm assuming he's an Englishman. I shouldn't be doing that. Um, the person who's sitting in the in the bar, uh, he the camera focuses on quite a, a few times, uh, but he doesn't have anything to say. There's no dialogue, but it's just the camera is pointed and focused at him for a while, and he's just not involved in anything. But you know, I was just curious as to you know. Does he actually could it get? Key, could, a, could, could it be a metaphor for how the English just stood by as Ireland fought with themselves during the Civil War? Could it be? This is pre-Civil War. No, but could it be a metaphor of what was to come. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I didn't even notice it, so can't talk. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they do. They keep fighting and uh, fighting out of the bar again, and then up the road and down the road and all around the road, and eventually it just it cuts. To, to I can't remember what what the next scene is, but it, 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 oh, oh, I can't believe you don't remember this. It's basically Mary Kate, yeah, in the, the house. There, there's nothing in, in the house, that. and the two lads are now clearly friends because they've you know befriended each other through combat. And then she's like, "Oh my god, let me get the supper on for you." And then he's like, "Faster, faster!" And she goes right away, and it's just like she becomes so subservient. Whereas the whole movie we've seen her is so fiery, and it's it's crazy that this woman who was so independent and didn't really need a man, all of a sudden that once she found one that would fought, fight for him, she all of a sudden was like a hundred percent committed and kind of lost her identity. And I was like, "What is the point of this movie?" <laughs> It's so weird. I don't get it. I think that's the real cliched part. Do you know? That's a, yeah. That's the lazy writing of we need a happy ending where yeah. John Wayne can be the biggest manliest man and you know he gets the woman the fiery he domesticates the yes. fiery redhead. Yeah, exactly. That like this last twenty minutes is probably the bit that I have the most issue with. In the movie. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, but it's the most Hollywood. It's the most, It's in terms of the fight, in terms of the ending of their love story, it's so Hollywood. And it just, it's not, it doesn't play with the rest of the sort of Irish no, feels. No, it doesn't the rest tie of the in I find. well. Yeah, which especially I feel with like character. is what, especially with her character, but also the surrounding characters as well, where there's a lot of like cartoonish stuff happening with the priests and there's even a dead man who's being read his rights, who sees the fight going by and all of a sudden he jumps out of bed and goes to see the fight which is funny I know but it's I don't know I, yeah. I, yeah I didn't I didn't love it but overall very solid watch again RTE2 on a Sunday at 3pm and there's nothing on stick it on I think stick it's it I don't know I, I had a good time with it yeah and definitely a lot of uh, you know there's a lot a lot of little things in there do you know like because I I'd watched it once when I was younger and I thought I had a fairly good grasp on the movie. But then rewatching it, I picked up on loads of, you know, smaller hints. Sorry, you watched this when you were 20, you watched this 20 years ago. So give or take a when few you years. watched, give or take a few years. So you had, a, you'd come to the knowledge of, you'd come to the conclusion. I was like, I watched this when I was younger than 10 and thought, you know what? I see what they're doing here. I've got it all locked down. I've, tell you what, uh, I'm a keen, I'm keen, younger than 10 years old. And I know exactly what's going on in this movie. Don't even th- don't even talk about it. I know. I've I've all sussed. I've seen life again. But this is what I mean. Actually, no. Sorry. This to, to wind it all back. Like you said before, I think you're 87 years old. <laughs> so 20 years ago, you'd only be 67. So that would make sense why you thought you had it all figured out. The only bit, like I, as I was watching it, I was like, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. I remember this because I do remember it because most of it was filmed around the area. So. As kids, when we were watching it, we used to love pointing at the places 
Yeah. And saying where they were. A lot of the alcohol stuff went over our heads at that point. But but also, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, if like, if you'd watched this when it was airing on TV, I wouldn't be surprised if the Irish sensory board or censor board had, like, cut out a lot of stuff. Maybe even. But the one thing, the, the it was just the IRA bits that uh, really... <laughs> that really caught me by surprise I laugh. because they yeah. do they do give a serious threat to Will Danaher at the end as well which is you know and especially one of the guys I think he's the commandant he's a he's such a smiley character but it's like a, a, yeah. a slithery smile yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so uh, he gives a, a really serious kind of like threat while smiling and it's just you know like, yeah that's what those guys were all about <laughs> look like the flower but be the serpent underneath exactly Oh, Gary. It's not often I get to quote Shakespeare, but I'll do it when I can. But yeah. But yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the quiet man, man. Man, quiet man that's man. a quiet man. Yeah, there you go. Solid watch. Yes. Uh, look, Paddy's Day is on Friday. You want to feel a bit Irish. Fucking, there's the movie for you, eh? Yeah. And, you know, there's loads. I think there's a, a wealth of good Irish movies you can go out and watch uh, on top of this mm. one. So it's been a good year for it. I'm going to go watch on Colleen Kuhn. At some point. As you should. As I, I should. I told you yeah. a million times about this movie to go watch. You've, you've mentioned um, it twice. Max. And that was in that's this in- podcast. Incorrect, but sure. Uh, Kino Driscoll, five times on the podcast. My God, who knew it would take this long? But we do I get the t-shirt? Thank you so you do get the t-shirt. Because I'm done now after this. I'm done this now. I'm done. <laughs> what? This is the last podcast? No. Oh, wow. No, 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 it won't be. I still have... Uh, there's one I want to do. Can't remember what it there's is. There's always ones you want to do. Uh, no, Keen, thank you so much. I very much appreciate it. And I know this, again, we're, we're doing this over Zoom, which is, I understand, slightly inconvenient, so I much appreciate it. And I also want to thank everyone who's listening. No, no, Gary, you didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't inconvenience. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> no. the, the, the person who inconvenienced, inconvenienced me here now is, uh, he's not present, but uh, yeah. he's also very present during my week when I listen to your podcasts, you know. Mm, I must mm, listen to him mm. once a week. Um, yeah well he's um, only done he's only done 20 more than you so it's fine only 20 and he just you know yeah. he seems to he can't get enough that he takes time out of other people's um, <laughs> but yeah sure yeah. sure you know sure, sure, when sure, you're sure, at the sure, top sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm gonna stop this before you slander him anymore uh, no Keen seriously thank you so much and I want to thank anyone who's listened to this and all the other ones if you want to keep up date with the podcast you can follow at reading it appears on instagram that's where most of the stuff goes and if you want to listen to the podcast you can listen on spotify apple youtube as well wherever you listen to podcasts you can also follow at reading it appears on tiktok as well we're there subscribe like i said subscribe on apple Podcasts. follow on spotify give me those five stars because i want them also you can follow us on the letterbox as well uh, links are in all the links to this are in the description and finally keen driscoll thank you so much i very much appreciate it no worries at all no worries thanks for having me and uh Shout out to John as well. John's there. But shout out there we go. Shout out to John. And, and Micheline. We and have Micheline. to say hello to Micheline. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we leave it there. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, talk to you again.